is Deserter. Today we're in sunny Peckham on the trail of one of the pioneers of reggae. Yeah, we've got old school pubs, old school drugs and an old school. <laughs> There's walkers, talkers, dossers and tossers. Plus, what's this? South London wine? What? I've heard it all now. Is there nothing this place can't do? Well, it can't welcome groups of more than six. Ah, well, you say that. Listen on, my simple friend. Oh? Yeah, we've got tactics on how to party in Babylon later in the show. What a service. I'm Dirty South. And I'm Dulwich Raider. And you're listening to the Deserter Pubcast, sponsored by Go Out London, the app that does it all in the Going Out in London department. It does reservations these days, does everything you need for the pandemic, table service, venues, cars, uh, pre-orders, home dining. It turns a sandwich into a banquet. (laughs) It's the only product you'll ever need. Finished? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I got got excited. Got carried away. Okay, so why not slip into something more comfortable, crack open a cold one. And take learning to the minimum. We should do the first pub quiz, I guess. Yes. We, as, are, as we mentioned, are in Peckham. We're on the Rye, or going to the Rye. Yes, we're going to a pub that used to have a bull court, didn't it? It did, And yes. table tennis, and it's very big garden. It's on Peckham Rye. I think that's sufficient. Yes, I hear the, I hear the bull court's gone, is that right? Yeah, apparently. Oh. We'll find out. Right, let's get drunk. I mean, uh, get Go to, to work. work. <laughs> back. Where are we, Vinny? We are at the Rye. Yeah, you nearly gave it away, I thought. You said we're going to the Rye, but you actually meant Peckham Rye, not the pub Rye. I did, yes. yes. Anyway, that was too easy, that one. It was too but easy. But you can still have your first pint. We are, and bloody hell, we've deserved it. Yes, we have. We've had to wait. We've. Um, they didn't have our first th- three options, <laughs> <laughs> and the app didn't work. But apart from that, we're in a lovely garden, the sun is shining. Yeah beer in front of us yeah not too bad right what the hell have I been up to uh, yes what mm. the hell have you been up mm. to I've had a holiday in London Vinny I thought you lived in London you told me that last no week. no 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 <laughs> you're getting me wrong you made me muddled up with you <laughs> <laughs> okay um, yeah I wandered up to Soho with the missus to check out the pedestrianised zones that's what I mean by London I went to W1 yeah went to W1 mm. And uh, it was a lovely little excursion. Uh, is, you know, the city is this. The city is a great city. And, oh, it uh, is. In um, August or September, where the fuck we are now, in the middle of a pandemic, mm. it's re- it's quite empty. You know, you can wander Beautiful. along, and uh, you know, not see, we didn't see anyone for like the first forty-five minutes. Mind you, we were walking through the Brandon Estate in Walworth, uh, <laughs> where we chanced upon. An estate pub called the Canterbury Arms, which I don't think I'd ever come across before. Oh, yeah. And, um... Hey. Oh, oh, hey. Outside, was a, there was a grisly old guy sitting there with a pint. I said to Anna, should we stop for a half? And he <laughs> said, yeah, stop for a half. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice welcome. Uh, and then we stopped off at the Harp, where there was, oh. um, you know, they've got a one-way system. Love the Harp. Drinking one-way system. And then on to Soho, which, as expected, is much better with less traffic. Uh, yeah, of course. But even better after five o'clock when some roads are closed completely and people come out rolling out AstroTurf onto the street and all the chairs Whoa. and tables are put out. Um, then we went to the Coach and Horses with Cyclo. You know, again, you know, just wander in and there was a perfect table there. Mm. I've anyone around. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, back now in Fuller's direct management, uh, for mm. better or for worse. Yeah. But it does mean it has Hophead. Oh, and So the beer was always a little bit iffy it there. It always was, yeah. yeah. But now it's got Hophead, that's great. Mm. You bloody love a pandemic, don't you? I love a pandemic. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then uh, we walked home again um, mm. via the river. I had one by the river. Uh, we dropped into the Elephant and Castle to check out its last days. We were going to have one in there, but it's, I'm afraid it's already. You all mean the shopping centre? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. The yeah. No, the Elephant Castle shopping centre, yeah. Mm. Um, I think that is officially closing on the 24th of September, but oh, in t- it's, inside, La Bodeguita and all the little, you know, the lovely beach bar, etc. It's all finished, all dead. Yeah. 
um, very sad. Uh, and so we went, went for one in the Tankard on Morworth Road, one mm. in the Nags Head in Camberwell, mm -hmm. and finished up with a new McDonald's triple cheeseburger, which, um, <laughs> <laughs> which we had to eat cold due to missing our number being called while giggling. <laughs> <laughs> the proper, proper holiday. Yeah. Uh, my advice, though, would be eat your triple cheeseburger hot. Yeah, yeah, that probably wasn't much of a treat. Was no, it? you could say that was my key takeaway from the day. Oh, oh. So, yeah, that was a wonderful holiday in London. And then uh, you could say I had a holiday in Brixton. I went to the Brixton old school pub crawl. Nice. A pub, uh, pub crawl put together by Goose. Uh, which it took in a lot of the pubs back in the day that were great. We basically we were just checking to see if they're still okay. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like visiting your relatives. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, so uh, it involved lots of hand sanitising. Mm. Um, honestly, my hands have never been this scrubbed since that instant with the uh, Scotch bonnet chili in my right testicle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to think about. Um, yeah. So we stopped off first of all at the Ephra Hall Tavern. Um, nice. Lovely. It was, uh, we were told it's full inside, looked mm. half empty. Uh, but there was a table in the garden where there was a 14 person limit. But there seemed to be 15 people coming going in the gardens. If you get, went to the toilet, you had to wait for a minute until someone got up and left. <laughs> um, but that was lovely. And then we went on to the Dog Star, which, as I may have mentioned before, has reverted to basically an old boys' pub. You know, oh, it's right. uh, an antique pub. The, the, the decks have gone. There are tables on the dance floor. This isn't, I don't think, anything to do with the pandemic. No, it's just another step in the evolution of the Dog Star. Yeah, yeah. Um, the SW Nine Bar was closed. Oh. Goose was very sad about that. I mm. think he had some you know, shenanigans on in there back in the day. Uh, but he, he pushed on to the Marquis of Lawn, which I'd not oh, seen yeah. before. Yeah. Um, not far from David Bowie's yes. uh, house. Yes. A very handsome Victorian backstreeter. Lovely mm. fixtures and fittings. The reassuring stench of skunk outside. Mm. And some old boys swearing at the darts on TV. Mm. It was really quite Perfect. an experience. Um, I got into a bit of bother when I inadvertently photographed one of the geezers um, oh. while taking a photo of the pub. Um, I don't know about you, but whenever someone takes a photo of me, I'm like, how do you want me? Yeah. yeah What's yeah. my motivation? Yeah. But, uh, don't forget to tell me to breathe in. Yes, exactly. Yeah, some direction. But this guy obviously felt very differently. Um, anyway, I let him live and we pushed on to <laughs> the Queen's Head. Mm. As you may remember, a massive music pub back in the day. Mm. Uh, the Fat White family famously formed there and called it home. And there was all sorts going on in the upstairs room where a parrot would offer you cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> but when we arrived, it was fucking quiz night. Oh, Couldn't balls. believe it. Oh, um, but we, uh, we were able to get a seat out back and shout out, you know, Timbuktu and uh, 1974, random <laughs> points. Um, and then it was through the estates to the hero of Switzerland. Soon you may remember to be a tower block. Um, but alas, and indeed alack, it had closed at 10pm. Um, this is the problem with the new normal. No fucker updates the websites. No. Not that the hero of hit Switzerland has a website. No. <laughs> if you want to find out when they're open, you have to send them a telegram. <laughs> um, anyway, we pushed on to the junction in Loughborough Junction. This too was just about to close at 10.30. So, uh, you know, thinking quick, mm. we uh, ordered two pints each and settled onto the terrace to enjoy the traffic. Um, and perhaps not unrelated to this, it was our favorite pub of the night. Mm. Yeah, well that sounds wonderful. Uh, I, I only went, I had a mini crawl myself. I went to uh, Deptford with the missus. Um, started off at Buster, Buster Mantis and uh, had some Jamaican fusion, fusion food. What makes it fusion? Chips. Mm. <laughs> um, actually, no, it's not. That's not true. That's harsh because it is. It's very. Uh, it's, uh, it's yeah, very nice food. And uh, the village's tap room, lovely. Bird's nest, of course, best pub on a roundabout. Mm. Uh, and you are sitting out on the roundabout now. That's you know mm. next next to the roundabout. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, not so much room inside. 
um, and a little faith uh, on Creekside. Uh, I think having a pub on a sort of quite industrial bit means you can you can have uh, you know you're drinking outside. Music can be whacked up, and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful vibe. And lots of pubs are kind of shutting down how many beers they're offering because of, uh, there aren't so many as we found today. Yes, yes, but uh, not Little Faith. They had um, six absolute bangers. <laughs> you managed to try them all? Uh, not all of them, but but the majority, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> And football is back. Live football, football is, is back. back. Yeah, that's that's a blessing, isn't it? And that's been good fun. Uh, you've been to some live games. I mean, there aren't many available to us, but you managed to find yeah. three to watch. I have. Last. Well, you you came down to VCD to watch Dulwich Hamlet to see the friendly match yeah. uh, against VCD. Yeah, um, in Cray, is it? In Crayford. Crayford. Crayford slash Barnhurst. That's right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was great to uh, see a see a live game. See yeah. see. Uh, Hamlet again, and also see some of those faces, yeah, uh, and be somewhere where it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, just beer and uh, dirt burgers, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, God, that was a very dirty burger. Was Secret ingredient: salt and fat. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, normally the, the the keeper gets a bit of um, bit of bants from the the, the Dulwich crowd, doesn't it? But it was the other way round uh, uh, at uh, VCD. He was giving us grief. I think we were out. We were out of match practice. Well, that's right. That uh, Dodger apologised to him. He said, "I'm sorry, we're out of practice at this," because he was he was warning us off the burgers, which was ironic because he's quite big boned himself. Yeah, but he was he was suggesting that we might be interested in vegan burgers. Yes, because we're Dulwich Hamlet hipster cunts. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's humiliating. <laughs> I stopped beforehand uh, for one in Erith. Um, yes. Which I'd never been to, but I've always been meaning to go to since Cara Church wrote that piece on Deserter about Erith. Yes, which um, I'll, I'll link to on the podcast yes. page because it was a, it's um, it was a while ago now, and it was a great. It was good. It, it made me made me want to visit because you, you may remember she um, wrote about seeing a pig driving a car. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, this is an odd place, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and she mentioned the Running Horses Pub mm. where I went for a pint. And uh, although it sounds like that one, I think it was another pub that actually did have an issue with some running horses when some local travellers turned up at the pub. With in on their horses mm. and rode them into the pub, <laughs> <laughs> and when uh, the landlord took issue with them, they said, "Well, it says pets welcome." <laughs> uh, so I had a pint outside the running horses by the estuary and watched a pony and trap overtake a police car. <laughs> quite wow! Perfect, perfect. Mm. Um, and I found another local game, Peckham Town FC, who just uh, landed the London FA Trophy. Indeed. Um, yeah. Which is thought to be the first men's team to win a senior trophy under the management of a woman. Oh, yeah. so right. Yeah, Mary Phillip. So congratulations to them and her. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd pop, pop down for their first uh, league match of the season. Record attendance of about 170. Mm. Now they've got a famous tiny stand there that holds about eight people the, the record is 17 they've had 17 people in it but you're not allowed to do that in the pandemic um, and indeed in these post-covid times it's now limited to one person at a time there's <laughs> a little queue to get into the stand uh, but it's a lovely day out on the south circular three quid in three quid for a tin of beer yeah yeah i'll definitely be taking advantage of them over the next yeah, few weeks that was great and uh Finally, on the football front, I went down to see Dulwich Hamlet women play. Mm-hmm. Uh, another 175 souls came down to Champion Hill on Sunday to watch an eight-goal thriller. Mm. Eight-nil. <laughs> <laughs> well done, the Hamlet women. Uh, that was another another great um, afternoon. And the great thing about the women's team is that uh, afterwards they all go out for a pint. Do they? Yeah, they're human, <laughs> just like you and me, except fitter and better at football (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a quick mention for two places that uh, we both went to didn't we in Ramsgate uh, on the Kent Riviera 
Yeah. And apparently, I, I went, yeah. Yes, <laughs> very little memory about it. I remember the boating pond. Yeah, the boating pond was great. Now, up at the boating pond on the West Cliff, the team behind the Ravensgate Inn, the uh, the Gads guys, yeah. have opened the Ravensgate on Sea, a pop-up at yeah. the uh, Majestic Boating Pond. Yeah, lovely. Um, and with a glass in your hand and the palm trees and some silky vibe from the speakers, uh, you could be in Ibiza. <laughs> um, and we enjoyed a fulsome range of Gads ales washed down with margarita slush puppy chasers, <laughs> like you do. And um, you've heard of a pub garden, right? How about a pub beach? Pub beach? Oh, it's coming back to me now. <laughs> there. <laughs> Off we went to another place up on the west side, on Westcliff Road actually, the Bedford, uh, which was a bit of an old rough house. It right, used to yeah. be, uh, the new landlord uh, described it as the place where drug dealers went to die. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the new landlords imported five tonnes of Saharan sand and tipped it into the garden. <laughs> What's wrong with Margate sand? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, now you can lounge about in the garden and deck chairs with your feet off. Um, and we did. Shoes off even, yeah. And yeah. we did, yeah. yeah. So it was quite sensational feeling a couple of uh, gems down there in Ramsgate um, hmm. right uh, on to you, you, you did a post didn't you I? did a post yes yes actually did some did some writing on deserter mm. um, about Peter Perrett's not everybody knows who Peter Perrett is uh, but mm. he was in a band called the only ones and lived yeah. in South London in Forest Hill mostly and um, one of their, their singles, um, Another Girl, Another Planet, has been on virtually every indie compilation exactly, yeah, ever, hasn't yeah. it? I it mean, you a, may not know the only ones, but you know that song. You'll know that song. Are you not yeah. going to sing it? <laughs> well, if it wasn't for the copyright issues, I would, of course. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, but yes, he was a bit of a South London legend. Uh, he... Um, did live in South London with his wife and his girlfriend and his valet. <laughs> Good if um, you can get away with it. Yes, um, whilst he was, was putting together the band, the only ones, and um, he was he financed the band basically through dealing hashish. Mm. Mm. Um, he sm he smoked an incredible amount, um, and uh, it's even said that he used to smoke more than Bob Marley. Uh, yes, according to, to one source. Yeah. Um, who will be uh, visiting later? Who, whose footsteps will be following later? Indeed. Um, and uh, yes, he even had a snort off with Keith Richards. Uh, Keith Richards wanted to produce the band, and uh, they had a couple of meetings about it, mm. and they didn't really get much further than competitive cocaine sniffing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he had a very interesting life, uh, and his. Uh, the biography about him is really excellent. It's really mm. well written by uh, Nina Antonio, um, and uh, we've got a piece up on the site at the moment with a couple of videos from his. I mean, it's amazing he survived yes. because he he um, the only ones had like three albums, uh, sort of late seventies, maybe early eighties, and then disappeared, uh, split up, and he disappeared for ten years mm. down a kind of drugs hole. Mm. Um, he popped up again and disappeared again. And struggling um, heroin and crack addiction, but then popped up about three years ago and did a solo album with his sons behind him, mm. um, and uh, yeah, somehow has survived. Uh, I think that he suffers now with uh, COPD, as, as does his mm. his wife, because uh, they've been smoking, uh, chasing the dragon mm. uh, on those kind of tin tin foil, and nobody warns you about the tin foil. Mm. You know, you keep smoking it; it's toxic. You know. <laughs> It's the tin foil that's it's does, the tin foil does the that's damage. Done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not the heroin or the crack. <laughs> uh, and so, next we're going on the trail of Bob Marley. Yeah, our uh, subject for this episode. Um, we're going to visit a spot in Peckham called the. Uh, it's now the Damalola uh, Taylor Centre, mm. um, where he play, played a seminal gig to some school children. Mm. Um, Bob, of course, was a hugely in influential figure in reggae. He really brought reggae to the to the world in, uh, mm, because he, mm. he he brought it into the mainstream charts. Yeah, he was a, definitely. An yeah. Incredible 
craftsman of pop songs as well as mm. reggae mm. And, and covered lots of different genres, even folk. Um, and uh, but his his trips to London were quite significant in his career. Definitely, yeah. Uh, he was already a huge star, but he, in uh, in his own country. But he came here, uh, and uh, that kicked that kicked his career on, didn't it? Mm, mm, mm. Um, and um, South London had a part in that. Definitely, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Right, so here we are at the Demalola Taylor Centre in Peckham, uh, formerly Peckham Manor. Uh, mm. It was Peckham Manor School when Bob Marley was invited here to play a little gig in mm. the classroom with uh, his mate Johnny Nash. Amazing. <laughs> who was uh, was probably more famous in England at the time uh, due to uh, his hit single, I Can See Clearly Now. Yeah. Um, he Bob was already a big star in Jamaica by, by 1972, mm, mm. but he was trying to broaden his audience by coming to England, and it wasn't going very well, was it? He uh, no. he was struggling to get any radio play, struggling to get gigs, yeah. and uh, he, he met some geezer in a Soho club who just suggested he come and do a little gig gig for his um, the school children he taught. Yeah. And um, so he came here, Johnny Nash, and they they played an acoust two acoustic sets for the kids. Yeah. And then afterwards, um, played football in with, that yard the, there. In that yard there, with with, with all the boys and it, it, sadly, girls. it looks like they they're going to build on that yard now, doesn't it? Um, uh, and uh. They've got some uh, builders fencing around it. Um, but yeah, uh, we watched a documentary recently, didn't we, about that time in uh, in Peckham. Uh, with some of the ex-school children talking about their experience. Yeah. But quite amazing to see the pictures of Johnny Nash and Bob Marley sitting there in front of the school kids with their guitars. Yeah, amazing. It's quite a good doco. It's on the iPlayer now, should you uh, fancy catching it. And, um, yeah, some of his experiences uh, in England uh, informed his next album, Catch a Fire, which was uh, a kind of a another kind of breakthrough for him it was a slight change of style and mm. uh, not not for the traditional uh, reggae fans um and he was quite a pioneer in reggae wasn't he mm. Yeah. Mm. um and he returned to uh tour with that album in 73 and played two gigs in peckham right um played all over the country but there, he played at um, mr b's uh at 43 peckham high street also known as mr b's bouncing ball oh. I, don't, I don't know why um, and uh, yeah, he also played on the Old Grey Whistle Test when he was over that time, and that was quite that was quite important. Yes, uh, again, brought him to a new audience. Definitely, yeah. And yeah. it was very unusual to have um, a reggae artist on a on a rock show. Well, yeah. it was a rock show, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then his his uh, audience was even further broadened when Eric Clapton covered. I shot the sheriff, That's which, right. which was a massive hit on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, slightly ironic, given that he was a racist twant. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he wasn't then. Maybe, maybe he grew into it. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although I don't know when any Enoch Powell was, but he he supported that speech. Oh right. Um, and uh, later gave one of his own, which was worse. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a. Here we go. Here we go. That's Peckham for you. I'm, I'm only joking. It's lovely now. Lovely. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I think um, yeah, coming to England was a big step in his career, wasn't it? It mm. kind of it um, it moved him on a bit. Um, it brought him to a much wider audience. And by the time he came for his next trip, his you know his tour sold out, and his audience is kind of fifty-fifty of, of black and white. Mm. Mm. Uh, and he he kind of brought reggae from Jamaica to the world. Yeah, and um, considered London and, and Britain as his second home in many ways, didn't he? Uh, I think he, he recognised mm. it, it um, had a big influence on him. And um, although when he was here, you know, by all accounts, he missed the sun, sea, beach, football, <laughs> rum punch, etc. Uh, there was lots of look about London that he loved. Yes, he could still get ganja, Yes, uh, <laughs> thanks to Don Letts. <laughs> and uh, he could still play football, and they were probably his t music, football, and weed were his yes, his loves. 
Um, are we going to mention here that he used to play football a lot in Battersea Park? We certainly can do, yes. He, he used to live in Chelsea for a bit. Yeah. He, um, he, he ended up there after an assassin, assassination attempt on him in Jamaica. Oh, um, that's right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he just loved football. He would have a football everywhere they went. And yeah. He, he, um, yeah, they take it on, take a ball on tour, of course, and he would say, you know, if you want to get to know me, you have to play football against me and the Whalers. Ah, right, OK. Uh, was it Peter Tosh who said that whenever they went on tour, they'd stop off at the town they were playing in, you know, Fife or something, mm. and he said that Bob would just go and buy loads of footballs. <laughs> I know, it he warms used to, me to him. Yes, yes, and he used to buy kit to take mm. home to Trenchtown, you That's know, right, yeah. uh, for the kids there, and he used to, yeah, play with, play with Eddie Grant in Battersea Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, um, next up... The news. The news. 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 So the news, pub and beer news first. I've kind of dubbed my, done my pub and beer news, I guess. Uh, but there is one you wanted to add, right? Yes, there is. Uh, and I only know this because of uh, Emma, uh, uh, who is at every pub and brewery opening. Emma Stump. Emma Stump. Yeah. Thank you, Emma, for pointing out the Silver Fox to us. Oh, yeah. Um, this is in the borough of Bexley, where, which has become mi- micropub central, hasn't mm. it? Uh, I mean, there's so many micropubs there, possibly because it's the least London-like borough. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it doesn't, well, it doesn't Kent's really... the epicentre of the micropub explosion. That's yes. right on the and edge. It still kind it? of feels like Kent, doesn't it? It does, um, yeah. Uh, Difficult time to be opening a micropub, I'd have yeah. thought. And, and in that location as well, it's on uh, Montpe- Montpellier Avenue in kind of Bexley, and I only know it because it's round the corner from where my parents used to live. Mm. Um, and uh, if it had opened uh, when they were alive, I would have visited them much more often. Mm. <laughs> you can't say fairer than that. Yeah. Um, okay, in other news, uh, I thought I'd mention um, The Perimeter, uh, a project by Quentin Lake, who's um, mm. spent five years walking around the edge of Britain. A nutter. <laughs> 6,600 miles. Um, and he finished it yesterday. Wow. Uh, he, he finished his circuit yesterday. It's been a great Twitter feed. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, filled with wonderful uh, observations and photos. Um, will be, I'm sure, a great book. Um, I would have gone to meet him yesterday, but um, I was preparing for this fucking podcast. <laughs> I think perhaps the most impressive thing of the whole uh, trip is um, getting the time off from his wife and children. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got a young child. Wow, maybe, really? Maybe, maybe two. I think definitely one. Mm. I mean, what would Lady Sal say if you said you were off for five years? Don't uh, come back. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I said to Mrs. Raider, bye babe, I'm off out for five years, <laughs> she'd say, bring me back a cream egg. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in more walking news, Andrew Morris um, is walking a slightly more modest 164 miles in memory of his father, Ralph, yes. the ex-Dulwich Hamlet player, uh, to raise funds for the Kale Foundation and the Dulwich community along the way. Uh, you can search Ralph Morris Pilgrimage and read all about the trip. Perhaps we'll put a link on for that as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, good luck to Andrew, who tells us he will be raising a glass in memory of his father every night and lunchtime. <laughs> good work, eh? boy, Andrew. That's how I'd like to be remembered. Um, do you fancy a glass of Chateau Tooting? I'm not sure I do. <laughs> um, what, what, what? what? <laughs> um, yeah, what are they called? Uh, Urban wine. Urban wine. They they, they um, receive grapes grown all over London, like in back gardens and scrublands, etc., and yeah. turn them into wine. Wow, that's brilliant! And uh, you can sign up and take yours along this Saturday, the nineteenth of September. Mm. Uh, I wonder what it tastes like. Well, I mean, people say it's it, it tastes okay. Yeah, but um, I'm willing to give it a try. Yeah, it's going to be a massive blend, isn't it? Uh, it's always tricky, isn't it, with, with, when you're making it from scratch. Uh, it reminds me of my friend Ollie, who thought... Um, do you remember Ollie? He thought he'd try his hand at winemaking, and he uh, 
we bought a vineyard and emigrated to Australia. Oh. And um, after the first harvest, he sent away a sample of his wine to the lab to be analysed. <laughs> and it came back with a note that said, your horse has a bladder infection. <laughs> Gave up after that. Went back to playing the stock market. You would, wouldn't you? Uh, what else we've got? Um, oh, we've got a cure for hangovers. Oh, great. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah. Really drink up, drink that. up. I really need that. <laughs> Thanks to the Brixton Hatter for bringing this to our attention. Uh, There's an article on Bloomberg, actually. It's a group of Finnish researchers believe they've discovered what people have spent centuries searching for, a cure for hangovers. Um, Apparently, a dose of 1,200 milligrams of the amino acid L-cysteine was found to reduce alcohol-related nausea and headache, while a dose of just 600 milligrams helped alleviate associated stress and anxiety. Um, this is according to researchers at the University of Helsinki and the University of Eastern Finland. Uh, it was a randomised double-blind study, lots of volunteers consuming alcohol, uh, and um, as well as reducing or even eliminating hangovers entirely, L-cysteine also helped reduce the need of drinking the next day, thereby cutting the risk of alcohol addiction. Do you have the need to drink the next day when you have a terrible hangover? Yes. Do you? Yeah, yeah. A hair okay. of the dog, of course. Yeah. I, it's the only it. thing that cures it. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I find... Uh, until this finding, of course. Yes, exactly. Um, apparently, binge drinking is very common in Finland, and uh, that's why it probably was the epicentre of this, sen- uh, this test, this experiment. Mm. Um, However, a little bit further down the article, it says the researchers received funding from the company which sells the L-cysteine supplements. Ah, I (laughs) see. There's always a little twist in the tail of these, isn't there? Um, Still worth a try. (laughs) So it's probably all a load of balls, isn't it? Um, (laughs) You can have a dose of L-cysteine, or you can basically do what I do and have a dose of double-egg bacon and chips followed by a lovely nap. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the game. Um, what I did enjoy um, in the article was that the study ran into some difficulties. Um, some participants weren't able to consume all the alcohol required <laughs> and had to be excluded. Some had such high tolerance levels that they experienced no hangover symptoms. I, I, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and some were sidelined because they insisted on topping up the dose by heading for the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Finns. <laughs> um, Right, uh, even though we've been talking about pubs almost non-stop for the entire podcast, we're going to do a pub tale. We're going to do a pub tale, yes. I um, visited a pub recently, oh. you'd be surprised to hear, and I was talking to uh, um, a landlady, a friend of mine, who, um, she, she, it's not a rough pub that she, she runs, mm. I won't say which one it is, um, but they do have more than their fair share of aggro, mm. and um, a a young policeman came into her pub recently and, and decided to be a real kind of stickler and he wanted mm. to see her licence mm. and uh, he wanted to search the premises mm. and all this sort of thing. Um, and during this inspection, uh, he, he found that a baseball bat was just above the bar. Mm. Mm. And he said to her, this is like a deadly weapon. Mm. You know, I can write you up for this. And uh, she said, well, if you look closely, there's a ball next to it. Mm. Uh, it's an activity. It's not a deadly weapon. I've got children living upstairs. This is this is what we do. Mm. Um, you're going to have to get up earlier in the morning to catch me out like that. And she said to a little boy who's nearby, um, "Yeah, it's an activity, isn't it, son?" And she said, "Yes, mum. Yeah, smack him on the wrist. Yeah." <laughs> She managed to get out of it anyway somehow, but uh, yeah, she um, wasn't best pleased that, you know, they need the police around there quite a lot, and to have them there poking around for their baseball bat collection (laughs) (laughs) was less than ideal. (laughs) Next, we're on the trail, aren't we? Back Back on the trail. Back on the trail. We're going to walk in some more of uh, Bob Marley's footsteps. We're going to go to Crystal Palace Park, where he played his largest UK gig and his uh, last London gig mm. uh, at the uh, 
Crystal Palace Garden Party, which was a, a huge event in mm. between 70 and 81 or something like that. Yeah, at the old rusty laptop. At the old rusty laptop, yeah. So we're off there now. See you there. Here we are at uh, Crystal Palace Park, where Bob Marley played his last London gig in 1980. Very beautiful it is too today, isn't it? It is really lovely, isn't it? Um, the stage is still here, although it's in some state of disrepair. Yeah, Crystal Palace Bowl, I think it was called. Yeah. Um, filled with water, surrounded by water. Mm. And then you can sit up on a hillside watching the gigs. Scene of many great gigs in the 70s and 80s. That's right, yeah. Uh, the Crystal Palace Garden Party put on acts such as Pink Floyd, The Faces, The Beach Boys, Lou Reed, Roxy Music, Elvis Costello and that alleged cunt, Eric Clapton. <laughs> um, I'm going so, off him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, by the time uh, Bob had returned to live in London, he, he, he was... He was um, a pretty big star, but uh, in 1977 he brought out the Exodus album with mm. a string of uh, hits um, and um, Time magazine called it the greatest album of the 20th century. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, lots of like Waiting in Vain and yeah. Um, Jamming. Yeah, Jamming. Jamming. Yeah, um, yeah. So he, right. how he likes his donuts, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, and he he did forge a bridge with uh, with punk, which was going going off at the time, didn't he? Mm, um, mm. And uh, he did Punky Reggae Party was one of his That's one of the tracks right. on that album. He name checks a few bands, yeah, in that doesn't he? Including yeah. the Jam. The, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where he got the idea for jamming from. <laughs> You're not going to get this information anywhere else. <laughs> Is it actually information? <laughs> um, and unfortunately, prior to the, the, this gig in 1980, he injured a toe playing football in Paris, didn't he? Someone yeah. trod on his foot. Um, and it revealed, because it wouldn't heal, it revealed what turned out to be skin cancer. Yeah. Um, and he had some alternative therapy, uh, I'm afraid. Did he? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, which of course didn't work. Uh, I would urge you, if you are unfortunate enough to to get cancer, to uh, see a proper doctor and see yes. maybe see the certificates. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and he wouldn't have it amp his foot toe amputated, which might have uh, let him live a bit longer. Partly because right. he, he thought it'd ruin his football. Yes. Um, well, fair enough. Um, yeah. So, but by 1980s, one of the one of the biggest stars in the world, and uh, he played here in Crystal Palace Park. Right here on that stage. Yeah, supported by the average white band. That's right. And Joe Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a story about that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So as uh, we can see in front of the stage, is a a, a sort of pond really. An algae-covered pond. Yeah, and um, there was a lot of weed going down at this gig yeah. and uh, it was a warm day in June and people just piled into the pond uh, getting yeah even more stoned and some some git uh, killed a duck oh. and threw it at Joe Jackson <laughs> and he stormed off he wouldn't oh, yeah. wouldn't come back on he's very upset about it. He them. loved ducks didn't he? He loved ducks. Uh, like Bob he liked smoking a lot as well. He Did was, he? He was a big campaigner to stop Smoking being banned in bars, Joe Jackson. Oh, smoking fags. Rather smoking than fags. Yeah. He's a fag man. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Fags and ducks. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, so the Whalers played a, a, a fantastic set here, by all accounts, a legendary gig. And then afterwards, he came back on on his own uh, with his acoustic mm, and, and played a redemption song, which mm. is um, uh, which at that point was um, unreleased. Came out later that year. Uh, very special mm. moment for uh, uh, for everybody who was there, none of whom can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were living down the road. It was 19, 1980, this, wasn't it? 1980, you, yeah. You were living reckon, down the road, weren't you? I reckon I might have been living in Penge at that yeah. time. Didn't know anything about it. No. Of course, I would have only been five or six, so uh, <laughs> can't be expected to be here. Mm. Yeah, sure. 
uh, yeah, and uh, yes, and uh, as a result of his his cancer, um, Bob Marley died at the far too young age of 36. Um, oh my God! And, um, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? It is, and it, his music carried on for some time. I mean, it still does in a way, but his the compilation album Legend um, sold zillions of records mm. around the world. Well, it's the posters, wasn't it, as much as anything? It was a poster on everyone's wall, or it seemed to be at one point, right. around the 70s and 80s. Mm. Particularly those that liked a bit of a smoke-up. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, amazing. He uh, you know, came from a country that was, was, you know, exploited by Britain, and he came here with a, a lot of positive vibes. and To the heart of Babylon. To the heart of Babylon, and helped helped change it in some way. Yeah, definitely. Well, the influence was palpable, wasn't it? Not just on punk, but post-punk as well. And uh, yeah, the police. Not, not, not the actual not the, police. No, not, no, <laughs> no. They are Babylon. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that's Bob. I've been making an investigation into Rastafari, Vinny. The uh-huh. uh, the religion or way of life espoused by Bob. Yeah. And uh, apart from the stuff about God and, you know, all the religion bits, mm. I think there might be something in it for us. Really? What's that? The sanctity of cannabis. Ah, yes. The tree of life, which bears 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Wow. Revelations 22.2, that is. Very good, mate. Um, and absolutely right. And I am now going to heal myself with the help of this Blue Peter. Blue Peter? One I rolled earlier. Ah. <coughs> how's, that, how's that for you, mates? I can't see, mate. Vinny, I can't see. You can't your, see. Your hat's coming down over your eyes. Oh, yeah. That's better. Well... Look at that, would you? Look at the colours. That's amazing. You'd love this. I'm sure I would. Are you going to, you know, pass the duchy on the left-hand side? I'd love to. Great. But I'm I'm prevented from doing so But what I can only call Covid common sense. I don't like the sound of this. The sharing of spliff during a pandemic would be foolhardy in the extreme. I'm sure you agree. Uh, not, not really. The end of this doobie could contain literally almost a dozen microscopic viruses that once sucked deep down into your lungs could do untold and lasting damage to the delicate lining of your what the actual fuck are they? <laughs> are they dinosaurs? Are you seeing dinosaurs, Vinny? <laughs> Here you are. You have it. It's too spicy for me. Ah, uh, thank you, Jar. You're a bum dosser. Okay, uh, time for bum dosser. You're a bum dosser. <laughs> uh, my first uh, offering yeah. uh, is Douglas Adams. Oh, yeah, of um, Hitchhiker fame. Hitchhiker fame, yeah. Yeah, um, he famously said, I love deadlines. I like the whooshing sound they make as they fly by. That's right. Yeah. And um, yeah, he said he liked ideas and hated writing. But mm. uh, he had a great idea for a book once called uh, Starship Titanic. Right. Great idea. Took it to the publishers. They loved it. They gave him a a, a tasty advance. Years went by. He still hadn't finished it. Years and years. (laughs) It got to nearly seven years after he'd got the advance. There's five weeks to go before the final, final, final deadline. And he rang up a mate, Terry Jones, Mm. Python fame, and said, can you write this book for me? I can't be bothered. (laughs) And he did. Did he? Terry Jones wrote it. Oh, really? Yeah. Bloody hell. Mm, so, tremendous procrastination. Yeah, good lad. Yeah. Why not? Um, I've got a couple of nominations this week. One from uh, a guy from Fesshole, you know, the Twitter mm, feed of mm. Anonymous Confessions. Mm. He wrote, uh, During lockdown, I bought a pack of 12 adult nappies and when drunk, regularly pop a pair on and calmly wet myself in various locations around my house. Hugely liberating. <laughs> I'd like to like him to be considered. Yeah. And um, John O'Shea tweeted about uh, Playboy tennis star Vetus Gerolitis. Do you remember him? Yes. A little I do. bit before my time, but uh, <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I thought he might be a good submission. Uh, John tweeted, just been reminded of one of my all-time fave sports quotes. Playboy tennis star Vitas Gerolaitis, glass of champagne in hand after a rare victory over Jimmy Connors in 1980. He said, <laughs> let that be a lesson to you all. Nobody beats Vitas Gerolaitis 17 times in a row. <laughs> 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 yeah. Who do you fancy out of those three? Well, you know, I, I think Vetus is the funniest, but uh, I think as far as bum dossing is concerned, I think the man with the adult nappy has got to take yeah. it. Yeah, well played, anonymous. You're a bum dosser. Uh, you know what that makes it time for? What's that? Is it the scene? Oh, <laughs> the social media scene. Ooh. Um. <laughs> Yes, well, uh, you may well make noises like that because the, the, the first one is a very sexy one. Oh, go on. This is... Um, Love sexy. This is from uh, Tiff Stevenson who um, has written about men the way men write about women. Oh. Uh, this is... Uh, she did a whole thread. There's loads of them, but this yeah. is... Uh, it kicked off with this. He charged into the room, pert testicles <laughs> bouncing gaily. I'm already loving this. <laughs> I saw a scar and wondered if he'd had a vasectomy. <laughs> he opened his plump lips, full of promise, but annoying words came out. Something about a football match. <laughs> the new temp had his two top buttons open. Did he know how much chest hair was glinting at me flirtatiously? Almost more fun if he doesn't, I thought, allowing myself the fantasy. After all, I was running the Fortune 500. He was just a blank page for me to write my desires on. <laughs> He sat opposite her on the tube daily. This was an invitation. When he picked up his copy of Shortlist, she would start a conversation. He was shy, she could tell by how he crossed his legs to shield his pocket potatoes. He licked a finger to turn a page. Filthy little shy slut. <laughs> anyway, there's loads on that, that thread and it is absolutely brilliant. But just to, to prove that men, men uh, don't write about women like that, mm -hmm. here's, an, here's an example from Oh God Awesome Posts. Cassandra woke up to the rays of the sun streaming through the slats of her blinds, cascading over her naked chest. She stretched, her breasts filling, lifting with her arms as she greeted the sun. She rolled out of bed and put on a shirt her nipples prominently showing through the thin fabric. She breasted boobily to the stairs and titted downwards. <laughs> Tremendous. Mm. Uh, well that, what was the first thread again? I'm going to seek that out. That was Tiff Stevenson's uh, Woman Writes About Men Like Men Write About Women. Yeah, that was superb. Yeah. Um, one other thing that uh, amused me, we, we uh, put out a, a call out on Twitter to ask uh, if anybody could figure out which South London legend connects the Stones, the Who, Squeeze, the New York Dolls, Blink-182, Baby Shambles and T-Rex, uh, which was, of course, Peter Perrett. Um, but uh, Mr. Foldsy tweeted, Is it Con, custodian of the Blythe Hill Tavern? <laughs> he then tweeted, Keith Moon famously remains barred posthumously <laughs> due to some kind of, ca of a carry-on of a carnal nature in the golf room. Oh, my God. Con won't talk about it if you ask him, <laughs> so don't bother. <laughs> um, OK, I saw uh, a couple of things on the social media scene. Uh, Benjamin Myers came up with a neat way to circumvent the rule against more than six people meeting up, oh, which great. we alluded to yes, earlier. Yes, that's what we need. He said, uh, he tweeted, I'm organising an illegal rave on the moors. Come dressed in tweed and carrying guns. They can't fucking touch us. <laughs> I seed! <laughs> Best idea I've heard since lunch. Um, and the other thing that uh, you must have seen was the Dettol ad. Yes. <laughs> or ads. Uh, joining in the coaxing us back to work. Mm. Um, these were ads on the tube. The first of which read, and I think it bears reading in full, for the full horror. Oh, God. The first of which read, Hearing an alarm, putting on a tie, 
carrying a handbag, receptionists, caffeine-filled air, taking a lift, seeing your second family, water cooler conversations, proper bants, the boss's jokes, plastic plants, office gossip, those weird carpets, face-to-face meetings, not having to make lunch, CCing, BCCing, accidentally replying all, hearing buzzwords, leaving early for a cheeky afternoon in the sun. Oh my god. I mean, where do you fucking start it's with a that nightmare. absolute fucking car crash? Mm. First of all, I'm not sure which is worst out of receptionists or hearing buzzwords. Mm. <laughs> but um, someone else pointed out, I think it's just so telling that at the end of a list of things we supposedly love and miss about going to work, they had to add leaving early. Yeah. Before we all topped ourselves. Yeah. And they omitted to put for a beer exactly yeah, yeah yeah nothing about sleeping in the toilets no um, I'm, I'm never sanitising with Dettol again <laughs> no exactly um, and finally Irvin Welsh the author mm. uh, had some advice on Twitter about Sundays mm. he wrote Sundays are tough bastard they think it's their day where they race, reset you into wage slavery. Is it fuck? So you have to treat Sunday rough. Show it who's boss and hammer the bastard relentlessly. The recovery must be on Monday or Tuesday. Their time. Mm. Attack. Wise words. Uh, very wise words. Yeah. Very wise words. Uh, well played, Irving, on Sundays. Ooh. Well, I suspect that's all we have time for this time out. Yes. Uh, I'm just wondering if Irvin's advice about Sundays might apply to Wednesdays too. (laughs) You mean... Exactly. (laughs) Let's get paralytic in a responsible sort of way. I was hoping you were going to say that. I mean, it is the end of the working day. Yes, it's the end of our working day, if you can call it that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and thanks to Bob Marley for being such a dude. Absolutely. Um... Thanks to our sponsor, Go Out London, the app for going out in town. And we'll leave you with this thought. Uh, For all we know, we may have said this before. Hard work never killed anyone. But why take the chance? Could do a quick pub quiz. Could do a quick quiz. Because we know where we're going. We do know where we're going, yeah. So we're in Crystal Palace Park. Yeah. You've only got to consider the options around here. And there's one little favourite, which is... a, a, a. tap room would you say of uh, yeah i think so of, uh, of a Certainly brewer not. we we are very fond of yeah it's a local brewer named after a tree yeah the the bar is and brewer. The, yeah is that is that enough probably <laughs> <laughs> i can't think of anything else <laughs> um well since this is the end of the show we'll have to do the revered as well or yourself one pint if you got the Douglas Fir, a tap room or an affiliated room with Gypsy Hill Brewery. Yeah. Thank God. Look forward to sitting out there watching the traffic with a pint. It's the only reason I came. <laughs>